Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Tries his luck again. Oh, that is magnificent. The angle he got on that, quite superb. Martinez could do nothing about it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And I'm joined in a virtual room filled with Lions. Um, I'm not sure if we all saw a classic Sunday League football moment this weekend, except it happened in the championship between Hull and Birmingham when the game got delayed because the goalposts were too big. I mean, how does that happen in 2022? <laughs> anyway, well, maybe it, it did rain a lot, you know, quite a fair bit. So maybe they just grew overnight. You know, nature is quite wild, people. Nature Guys, is magic. That's it, definitely what It's happens. a beautiful construct. Guys, What what is the most stupid Sunday League moment you've ever witnessed? I'll, I'll go straight away here, right? Okay, yesterday. You scored? Uh, no. That, <laughs> uh, I've got one goal this season. That's good for me, okay? Right, yesterday I've had the first half of my Sunday League game. Uh, our captain got sent off for saying, and I, I'm not joking, he said, for fuck's sake, Ooh. and the ref sent him off straight away. Oh, that's, that's quite a lot of bad language there. But, yeah. I mean, he weren't aimed at the ref, he just said it, and he got sent off for it. It was like That reminds me of that, um, and th- this could be my answer, I suppose, is that, uh, is that one footballer who once got sent off after a few seconds because the whistle was really loud and he swore. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, to be fair to Berth, he, he's got more goals than I have because I'm I'm just useless. So, you know, fair play to him. Still still waving that flag and I'm not even close to waving any flags. But Chris... It's not all about stats and assists. I'm lovely to watch on the eye, aren't I, Chris? <laughs> you say that you're again. You're lovely... Though. You're just lovely on the eye, Berth, aren't you? Oh, just oh, lovely on the stop eye. It, oh, stop coziness it. on a Monday. Stop it. <laughs> oh. Got anything for us, Chris, had, for Sunday uh, League? I'll tell you what, one of the stupidest things, a bit similar to Berth's, actually, was one of our players once in the team I play for, he shouted out to his own teammates, this is wank, and the ref gave the opposition a free kick. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, was like, I agree. I want this to end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to go to VAR over that. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Right. Mental. Bef- before we hit the review, two bits of news. First of all, I hope you're all thinking about the 23-24 season. Because footy headlines, they certainly are. They've revealed some details about Chelsea's 23-24 home kit. It's going to be blue. Whoa! Uh, I know that's a surprise. No and it's, it is a shock. But hey, it's also going to have gold. Similar to that stunning 2012-2013 shirt. Um, the Nike home shirt could feature apparently minor white and black detailing for a more special touch, it said. Uh, you've seen the mock-ups. What are your thoughts? I love it. I really like it. And I'm so happy that because these I, I really like our kits most seasons. I think a lot of them get a bad rep, and people go through the the cycle on Twitter of you know, oh, this is the worst kit ever. Nike screwed us over, or Samsung or whoever screwed us over, Adidas. And and then by the end of the the season, everyone loves it. But I really like this one straight away. 
the, the way it's mocked up, the colors, it works so well. And I'm really excited about the concept of the black and white as well. I think that would look really good. And it's nice to see that Bowley and Co are planning for the future. You know, that's everything we've seen them do so far. They're, they're, they're trying to work as far ahead as possible already. You know, like trying to sew up and Kunku already, for example. Mm. So it's good to know they've got the, their heads not just on this season, but next season as well. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. What, what do you think, Berth? What, what do you think vibes of the gold theme yeah no I, I really like it with me i think i think the best kits uh i like them when it's sort of like less is more sort of thing so i think if you look at chelsea's best kits over the years they've been quite basic really but they look really good on the eye mm. um our blue and gold one for instance nothing really that complicated just gold stripes blue really nice weren't it um so yeah i, I kind of really like it um and i agree with ollie actually that it's nice to see Bowley planning ahead um, the Nkunku deal and, and obviously stuff like this and I also think it means we're winning the Champions League this year as well so uh, to be fair I love any kit where we're lifting a trophy at the end of the season it can be anything yeah, yeah I yeah, love it true. a bin bag fine it could be a spurt well I won't go that far the thing uh, is, is the ugliest kits when we do win trophies go on to become like people's favourites because that's what people remember you um, know what actually that, uh, yeah. we've got that one from the oh, I can't remember which one it was because I wasn't alive at the time but it was the, the 90s it was a yellow one and it, everyone really likes it Yellow and blue one with a lot of yeah, blue, stri- so. three blue yeah. stripes. You, how old are you, Ollie? You, you, how old are you? I'm 24. You 24. Well, suddenly I'm feeling uh. like uh, Gandalf. Wow. Oh. <laughs> what, what wow. do you think? What do you think, Chris? Of this, uh, this, this, this theme we're going with next year. I'm excited because the 2012-13 shirt is my favourite ever Chelsea shirt. So I remember you wearing it when we went to see the Real Madrid game. Yeah, this is it. It. it Blue, the combination of blue and gold, I think there's there's not much better than that. Mm, and so yeah. I am I am well happy with. Yeah. Uh, but I I am also a little bit cautious because this is Doik and they'll <laughs> find a way to balls it up. Adidas did a good job in 2012-13. Can Nike do it? Oh, they we'll, really we'll wait did. And see. We'll wait. No, and see. Nike did do it because Nike released that. Um, remember our black one from a couple of years ago, like kind of like almost looked like a basketball tap, the, the third kit. Is yeah, that the one yeah, that Alex Pato yeah, scored the in that I love? No, no, it's uh, no. the one where under Lampard's first season, I believe. And yeah. like, oh, with the orange like, with the orange collar. Yeah, yeah. It was, but but like the colour was really weird. Like if you looked at the the ones before it, like the the um ones that were leaked on Twitter, it didn't have that like weird colour thing. But then when it got released, they they had that colour, which is like almost like a, a like a diamond sort of looking colour, and it just it made the kit look so bad like, compared to like, the uh, photos got leaked and it really disappointed me. So, Nike have got it in their locker to, uh, to, to disappoint us. But you know what? They, they've got the opportunity to really blow us away as well. Do you remember our... our I can't remember which anniversary it was, but it was our FA Cup anniversary. Kit. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. that fourth kit. I think that was yeah. the same year. I think that was the same year, if I'm not mistaken. It, it may well be. If I, if I, if I could own that any, any football kit, I think it'd be that one. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that. As it stands, number one on the Football Kit Archive is the 12-13 shirt. So there's a lot to go to beat that one. Right, second piece of news, which I was still shocked about, and I didn't wasn't going to talk about this until I literally saw it a couple of hours ago. According to journalist Ben Jacobs, legend of the show, on he spoke on the football terrace, and apparently the Blues are willing to offer Bakari Saka a better contract than the one he's going to sign with the Gunners. Um, the report states that the Hale End graduate is expected to sign a 
and thousand pounds per week contract with uh, the North Londoners. But Bowley is keen to intercept talks and bring the England international to Stamford Bridge. Is this a no go? Is it even going to get off the ground, or what do you think? It's less of a no go than like you know the the than Chelsea and Spurs doing business. Because Arsenal and Chelsea do tend to do a little bit of business here and there. Is we take their sort of slightly better promising players and or their better older players, and we tend to win trophies with them. And they take our sort of aging stars who aren't very good anymore. It's all it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good trade for us. Bakayo um, Saka is one top player. Saka is a really really top player, and he'd be excellent, really excellent under Potter. I think so. Oh, it, yeah. There's you know there's certainly it would not be cheap. And no. you know, in the in the way that it will be doubly not cheap because you know Arsenal won't want to sell to a rival, so it would probably be, in my view, I think it would end up being more expensive than the potential Leao signing. That's uh, nice that you think that they're on our level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. it's, it's it's it it would be really expensive, but the kid's got stupid talent. I'd love to see him. In yeah, ex- exactly. Birth, Chris, what do you think? Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't see it happening at all. Um, I really just don't see it happening. I think you'll stay at Arsenal for uh, at least a couple more year, years at least. Um, but as far as the player goes, I think he's really, really talented. He's got it all really. He's very, very versatile. Obviously, he can play wing back and he has them for England. I don't think that's his best position, but he, he can do a job there. All right, too. Uh, <laughs> really good, really good <laughs> with both feet. Gets goals, you know, skillful. Uh, on his days, unplayable. And his mentality is actually really good. I mean, you, look, you watch him in the Euro final, obviously he missed that penalty, decisive penalty. And then the other week he scored the winner against Liverpool from the penalty spot. So he's got a very, very good mentality. Um, and he's one of those players, that I think, I know he's an Arsenal player, but you kind of just like Bakayo Saka. You, you kind of like how he is, his attitude. Really good professional. So if it was there to be had, then I'll, I'll take it happily, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, he might be too nice to leave Arsenal and come to Chelsea. <laughs> Potentially, oh. potentially. Oh dear! Right. I, I, I think you. I think you're right though, Ali. Actually, I think that could be something. Like because he, he is he's an Arsenal lad, isn't he? Like yeah. If you watch he, the if you watch the all or nothing thing, like he does love Arsenal, so I don't think he'd do that to him. But mm. it's really interesting though. Like when you look at it, the people who we've been linked with recently, aside from Nkunku and Liao, it seems like we're doing something that a top. English team hasn't done for a long time and going for English players like mm. Link to Saka, Bellingham, Rice. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there are youngsters as well, like Chuck Mecca and um, Amari Hutchinson, who we just signed as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from Arsenal, no less. Uh, you know, there's a, there, there's, a, there's a real potential for us to sort of build a bit of an English spy, an English coach under Potter. And I'm wondering if that's partially due to the, the scouting our sapper apparatus that we're setting up you know like joe shields and um you know carl mccauley both you know who are now in our sort of our recruitment sort of unit they'll both be far more used to to dealing with the english league and english players so i wonder if it's anything to do with that it's like playing to their strengths or if it's just something bolu wants to do Hmm. well yeah moving on chelsea emerged victorious 2-0 at villa park giving us five Five straight victories overall and four straight shutouts. Although the score only partially reflects the difficulty of the encounter for certain. I mean, in reality, the outcome was maybe unjust on Villa to a point. I mean, they played admirably throughout the game. They gave us some real challenges in the first half. And at that point, 
Danny Ings point blank header was masterfully tipped over the crossbar by Kepper, who had just made a stunning triple save to deny John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey and Danny Ings in the space of a few seconds. So, guys, which had you off your seat for longer? Was it Kepper's masterclass or the Mason Mount free kick? Well, I'll be honest with you. Here I was, in, I was, I was, I was in the Villa end. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up for any of it. I was I had to just sit there, not celebrate, and just sort of watch it and go, "Oh no, oh no, Chelsea have scored!" Oh, no. You were doing the um, the John Terry assistant manager role. <laughs> but you know what the funny thing was, right? I was front row. I was actually in the front row, so the cameras probably got me. And Villa fans and Chelsea fans were probably looking at it, going, what, "What's he doing there? Why is he in the boys in the Villa end?" But you know it. It was good, yeah. Kepa was fantastic. I couldn't believe it. He, he turned into prime Gordon Banks. I, I think that shocked me more, especially the triple save. I, I know the last shot was offside, but the triple save for me is incredible goalkeeping. It, it showed how good he really is because Kepa's got that in his locker, though. It's not the first time he's done one of those. No, he hasn't, but it, it was so agile. The first save, I actually thought he probably could have done better with. He sort of played it straight into the path that I think it was McGinn who had the second shot. But then to react and get really, really low on, on the second shot and tip onto the post is superb. Then the third shot banged himself massive and, and made a real strong save from that. And then the, the save from Danny Ings' header was... I mean, it's, it's got to be it's got to be save of the season for me. Though. I mean, I, I can't name any better saves already, but Kepa was playing with confidence and I, I think he's one of those players that... If you, you need to put your arm around his shoulder, you need to say you're our number one. You can't be like, you can't be negative towards him. You can't point him down. You have to go, Kepa, believe in yourself. You're number one. This is what we, we believe in you. This is why we believe in you. You know, go out and prove to how good you are. And he did. Yeah. And, and fair play to him. I, for one, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, Berth, where, where I think. Mason Mount had a fantastic performance and it was ever so slightly overshadowed by the fact that Kepper, a player who we don't usually rely on as much, has turned into an turned into an absolute monster goalkeeper yeah. against Villa. Yeah. And um, yeah, he, he did a really, really good job. I, I'm of the view that his confidence is actually directly or you know, or his playing ability is directly linked to his relationship status because he's been playing out of his skin ever since he got a new girlfriend. So all I'm saying is, is when he gets married, it's over for you guys. It's over for the league. I mean, I'll bring Chris in first, but Mason Mount was absolutely unreal against Villa. And I will say it once more, pay that man his money, Todd. That free kick was a thing of beauty. I mean, the star and man of the match of, of for me for the game was Kepa, you know, and that kind of goes to show how amazing he was considering Mason had two goals. You know, Kepa kept in the lead for a long stretch of time with one unbelievable save after another. And we've just referred to it. That diving save from the cross, it was just phenomenal stuff when he deflected that over from Danny Ings. I mean, Ings, what a save! That is an incredible stop from the goalkeeper who's at the top of his game. Another clean sheet as well for the team, thanks to that world-class goalkeeping session. What, what did you make of both key moments in the game, Chris? I mean, I, I do think the Kepa save, it's definitely saved the season so far. And if that Aaron Ramsdale save from last season, from the free kick, wouldn't save of the season. Or from a free kick that... He did. Did that win save the season? I think so, yeah. It did. It was that free kick that he should save. Yep, exactly. So if that win save of the season last year, Kepa's will be almost a shoo-in to win it. Well, that it triple save might, win, might win save of the season three times then in that case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing is with Kepa, like, 
I think he might have done the sort of David De Gea curve just on a much slower scale. Like, if everyone remembers, when David De Gea signed for Man United, his first season, he was terrible. He, he was, was absolutely shocking. And then, all of a sudden, he's just become this incredible goalkeeper. And Kepa looks like that now. It took him longer, but he hasn't been playing all the time, to be fair to him. I think he looks now like the goalkeeper that we signed. He looks like a, well, probably not, but nearly a £70 million goalkeeper, if you're going to pay that. He's, he's making saves now that he wouldn't have done two years ago. Easily. And the... Uh, I think the, my criticism of Kepa always was that he didn't move his feet. Like we spoke about him a lot under yeah, Lampard. Yeah, we did. That, like it's not just his size. It because you're a smaller keeper, you have to move your feet better. And I never thought he did. He used to just dive from where he was stood and hope. But I think the the coaching must have improved, or something's happened. Well, we, in uh, training. we sacked our goalkeeper for, coach, didn't we? Um, you never exactly. know. It's a it's a it's an interesting one. I'll jump in quickly. Think, Everton. Yeah, go on. It was keep it was Pickford who won the twenty one twenty two uh the Castol sponsor. How was it? Yeah, get Aspliqueta took the shot and he got over the line. I oh, just had yeah. to quickly look it up because I do not remember it oh, at that, all. That we lost. That's probably why I don't want to remember it. Sorry. I think Chris. Kepa Save is better than that though. I think Kepa Save is definitely yeah, better than that. It, it is. Uh, yeah. But with oh, no, Kepa, oh, though, no, 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 go on, Chris. I think uh, uh, like I, I think I said at the time um, that maybe we needed to look at the goalkeeping coaching because we had a, a spell where our, a, a lot of our goalkeepers was making silly mistakes. And then it seems now like something's obviously changed on the training ground to make Kepa a better keeper. He's, he's moving his feet better. He positions himself better, which means he's making those saves now, which he can. Um, the Mount free kick was a great free kick, just going yeah, on to that. It- it was beautiful. I, On another road, how good was he today? Like oh, the other, I, yesterday, unbelievable again. I do think the keeper's got to take some blame for the Mount free kick, though. I, it's I not agree in with the that. Corner. I agree with it's that. It's not in the corner. It, it, it's a good free kick, but it is a goalkeeping error as well. But it well, is a great is, free kick. You hit and the round. His first it finish. Yeah, That's all his first do. finish. His first finish, I thought, was actually better. Like the the free kick looks better, but the he made the first finish look incredibly easy when it's not that easy. The spinning ball dropping down right in front of him with the goalkeeper coming out as well. Just to slide it in the corner on the on the volley with his side foot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I that, you, it's that beautiful. We, we keep going on about the World Cup coming up. But to see the two England players on the same connection, you know, Tyron Mings, he just knew where Mason Mount was going to be. Perfect header. It's just an absolute <laughs> great assist. Oh, he know. made Tyron Mings look so stupid. That, honestly, it was my, no, no, it was no, my no, highlight no. of the weekend. I'm telling you now, Tyron Mings makes Tyron Mings look very stupid because that header, right, <laughs> that header is absolutely criminal. Like, there's, there's no one around him. It's not windy. He's six foot four. He's a Premier League centre back. He's headed. He's tried to head the ball forwards, and somehow he's headed it backwards. You, you, you I, I, know. I have no, I have no you, idea how. Do you remember you, the? But, do you remember the person that said that uh, we should consider signing him as our left-sided centre back? Oh, oh what happened God. to that guy? Oh dear, no, no, no yeah. names myself. I, you, you know that. You just know that he went home and headbutted his wall and made a dent in it, and it's got. Like, but then the camera pans back, and there's like six or seven identical. Oh no! 
Knowing Joel Romains, he probably oh. tried to headbutt his wall and then look headbutt in his fridge, which is beyond him. <laughs> oh, bless him. I mean, for Kepa, Kepa, it was his best individual game for us, maybe ever. You know, it, we we could have been 2-1 or 3-1 down to Villa before half-time if it wasn't for him. Simple as that. Which brings me to this. Rodrigo Jardim has asked us this killer question. What do we do with Mendy now? He rejected the first contract extension proposal and now he is the backup keeper. Now, all of what he has said, guys, is the truth. So what do we do? Um, I personally don't think you do anything yet. I, I think, look, Kev's had a really good few games. Mendy's obviously had a bit of a decline recently, but um, things can change, circumstances can change. Happened with, no one thought Mendy was going to drop off a cliff. His form's going to drop off a cliff. Yeah, as Kepa's now back. No one thought Kepa's going to be this good. So I think you've got to, got to wait out a bit, I think, personally. I think you don't sell him yet. Maybe give it a year or two if it's still the case. You could probably sell him for a bit of a profit. You only bought him for, what, 22 million? So I think, you know, I think you've just got to wait a bit of time because obviously anything can happen. Well, I think you're you spot on, Beth, to be fair. I think, like... What it, it does depend as well, doesn't it, on Mendy's attitude? Like the the best thing yeah. about Kepper was Kepper had a fantastic attitude when he was number two. Um, if Mendy has a similar attitude, then it, I think it's fine to keep him around. And Berth's right. It, uh, you know, in six months' time, we could be talking about Kepper being Kepper again, and <laughs> we're saying we need to get Mendy back in. So it. <laughs> It, it's never a bad thing to have a a, a good backup, like at, at least till at least till the summer. I think then you 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 look at it then and think if Mendy's not happy being uh, a number two, who's still got a chance at being number one because Kepa's on a great run of form. But we all know there is the possibility there that this run of form ends and then Mendy has a chance of being number one again. So I think keep him till at least the summer and then and then review it. Yeah, that's, I think see how the player feels, you know, because especially if, you know, it depends, like you say, how the rest of the season goes. If, if Mendy comes back in, he probably stays. If he doesn't, he might not, especially with the likes of, you know, you've got Gabriel uh, Gaga Slanina, who's, um, Ooh, who's yeah, coming in point. from um, Chicago Fire in January, um, you know, and we've got several other young keepers as well. And it seems all we're trying to sign at the moment is young goalkeepers. You know, every week we're linked with a new one. So you never know. Maybe it's someone who... You know, we we do know that unless Mendy really improves kind of on the ball, he's not going to be Potter's preferred choice. So so one of two things will have to happen. Either he'll have to get a lot better on the ball or Kepa's form will have to revert back to type. I mean, right now, Edouard Mendy's agent is calling him up and he's asking him, hey, Edouard, I've been doing that thing most do on social media, you know, checking out the heat maps. And this is probably the moment Mendy's eyes widen, starts to panic a bit. And his agent would go on to say, yeah, Edward, what, why is your heat map exclusively located to the bench? Because at this moment, guys, if Mendy wants a new mega money deal, well, there is just more chance Cristiano Ronaldo knocks my door tonight with a double pepperoni pizza and a Coca-Cola in hand. I, I don't see it. I just there's a, don't there's see a really it. interesting idea that you could, you could say it's about like there's confidence... And it's about brewing confidence in both goalkeepers, you know, coming up to the World Cup. Now, we kind of know it's it's pretty likely Mendy's going to be number one for Senegal, but that spot mm. for Spain is really up for grabs. And yeah. Kepa, if he continues his run of, of form, has an outside shot at it for sure. 
So, you know, maybe it could even be a situation where Kepa's actually more focused and he's thinking about the World Cup and know he's knows he's got to play himself into form. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought moving on from Mendy, I thought Loftus-Cheek played really well too. Connor as well. Again, Gallagher yeah. provided a ton of good energy in that second half. And in, and in general, the team played with much more desire that second half. And that brings me to Graham Potter. You know, I was so, so chuffed to see that he saw problems and he made some subs to sort it out, which helps when you get five yeah. a, a game now. And the one being the key one was Alba off for Gallagher. It was a great sub. It sorted the midfield out. I, I was impressed. What about yourselves? I really like that he he was, you know, spotting problems and being able to to do it on the fly. I think one of our all of our criticisms against Tuchel, who I don't keep bringing up just to like, you know, to make us all remember that we sacked him. It's just he's the closest point of reference. Um, you know, with Tuchel, he would sometimes wait a little bit too long um, to bring subs on, whereas I think Potter's a little bit quicker in identifying issues and trying to plug gaps. You know, that's just the kind of manager he is, sort of a tinkering manager on the fly. Um, but it, you know what? It was really actually, it was in a way refreshing to see us win a game that we didn't play well um, under Potter because, you know, we're not going to play well every game and different teams are going to set up in different ways against us every game. And, we, you know, we on a different day, we might have lost against Villa, but we didn't. And, you know, it, it I don't know. It just seems to me that, that the confidence in the team must be reasonably high, uh, you know, to be going into a game. But ostensibly, we didn't play that well. Villa probably should have at least got a draw and we still kind of turned them over 2-0 reasonably comfortably. Mm. I think I think as well. I, uh, sorry, Beth, you go. I was, I was no, you saying, go, you like, go, Beth. I was just saying, like in, in the second half, the first half, we, I mean, he was getting overrun. That left-hand side, he'd feel well when Kukredo was having major, major problems. But when he sort of switched it up in the second half and we had three, that three in midfield and, and Kulabali came on and, and that's pretty quick came on. It really did shore things up. I think in that second half, he really controlled the game. Loftus-Cheek was, was immense in that second half in midfield. And, and so was Kovacic, to be fair to him. And, and Chilwa looked more solid with Kulabali next to him as well. And the whole shape of the team just looked a lot better, a lot stronger. Um, and I know, obviously, the goal helped. But I think if we hadn't got that goal, I think we'd have won 1-0. I don't think we'd have looked like scoring that second half. So... I think major credit has to go to Graham Park. So I'm not sure if T- Tucker would have made those subs at half time. I think he probably would have gave it 10, 15 minutes or would have waited for Villa to equalise and then made the sub. So it's promising to see Park do that um, because he, he's sticking to his guns. He, he, he did it at Brighton. He's not afraid to make a change. And I think that's good not only for the squad, it, it's good for the players that are sitting on the bench that they know that they can come on at any time. You know, they're not just going to sit on the bench for 60, 70 minutes. It's good for morale. Um, and when they are coming on the bench, you know, Gallagher's playing well, Brogy's got a goal last week, you know. So they're all doing a job when they come on off the, off the bench. So it's real, real positive. And we didn't play well yesterday, you know, in that first half, we, to be honest, we, we got battered really. We, that Villa probably should have had two, three goals, but we had the storm and we did win ugly. Um, and a win just only breeds confidence and hopefully we'll take that into Brentford. Yeah, well, hopefully keeping that confidence really, you know, keeping that winning streak forward, I think is really important for our momentum, you know, especially yeah. under a new manager. Say what you like about it being a new manager bounce or whatever, but I would say, you know, you could argue that today, uh, yesterday was um, was Potter's kind of like first difficult, really difficult game where where we looked like we struggled. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and to come out on top of it, it's a good result. 
I mean, I've got to say on the Villa angle, I'd I'd honestly take Matty Cash as a Reese James backup any day of the week. And the more I look at him, the more I'm starting to wonder if he's Ben Chilwell from another universe. I am. Um, you know what? You funny you should say that. Every Villa fan I speak to, and obviously from Birmingham, we all, what we three of us know at least five or six Villa fans. Um, everyone, no one really likes Matty Cash at the Villa. And wow. I've, yeah, no, it's surprising because that you got there probably the year I think last year, but every Villa fan I, I spoke to doesn't really rate him, uh, doesn't really like him. Apparently, he gives away the ball far too often. He, his end product isn't really that good defensively. He's quite weak in our position, so it's, it's funny like you Trent say Alexander that. Arnold, yeah, it's funny you should say that because I mean I, I don't think I personally wouldn't take my cash. I've never been that impressed with him anyway, but. Speaking to Villa fans who obviously watching more than I do, you know, they're not actually that impressed with him. So it's interesting that. Mm. Oh, you're going to, we're going to, we're going to love this. Moving to, we'll go through our line of the week predictions from Friday. I'll do a quick fire. Oh, no. uh, Chris went with Ben Chilwell. That didn't work out. Ollie Kukurau and I chose Kai Havertz. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a that stinker, boys. <laughs> was a total disaster, and and the result on the official Premier League website for Man of the Match this week was yet again Mason Mount. But repeat, but 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 the official Chelsea website went with Kepper. So where, where are we going with this? I did do a Kepa. vote on Twitter, which I should look actually at right now. Uh, did you, I saw it. Um, I saw the results, and it was um, it was overwhelmingly for the the Chelsea website. Oh yeah, I've just, yeah, you're right. Eighty two percent. Yeah, there you go. So listeners, it, no longer listen I think, to the Premier League. But I think it should be Kepper anyway. I agree um, because you know he's a he's a, you know not to not to say that Mason Mount's performance wasn't important. It was you know it was arguably one of his best of yeah. the season. Um, he just posed a really bad day um, to turn up when Kepper also turned into yeah, prime exactly. Manuel Neuer, kept us in the game, you know, and and especially you know like we've today. Uh, sorry, I keep saying today. Yesterday, um, we saw a side to Kepper that we haven't seen in a long time, and I think that's worthy of man of the match. Yeah, uh, he, line of the week. He's definitely our lion of the week, and and with that, we have come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod, and we'll be back Friday. For, you know, we're reviewing a midweek West London derby against Brentford live on Amazon Prime. Uh, not a sponsor, but um, yeah, look forward to that. That's going to be Wednesday. So if you've got Amazon Prime, th- there you go. You've got a game to watch, you know, other than the Boxing Day fixtures, which they took off us and everything else is never on Sky Sports anymore. So, yeah, till then, that will be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.